Yeah. And so that's, you know, what's interesting that what spirituality shows us in most transcendental experiences of whatever meditation, I teach holotropic breath work, people are doing LSD, whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. What is the core thing that most people say? I realize that we're all one. Yeah. I realize that we're all one. Right. So that's really, I believe all mental health stuff is a departure from that knowing that knowing that we so easily forget because we're spiritual beings having a human experience and your human brain, right? It keeps trying to tell you that you're not all one, right? But your soul, your spirit, whatever it is, that essence of us, right? Intuitively knows it. So that's part of that thing that's happening too. a lot of the time where being human means living in the tension of both. I really can't think of anything more important than waking up to your true self. I mean, once you do that, every single thing in your life changes. It's like a whole new world opens up. I used to look at my life and think, there has got to be more. There is, and this is it. I'm Paige, and this is Spiritual Twenties. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 15, I think, of Spiritual 20s. My name is Paige, and in today's episode, we have Bianca Rodriguez. Bianca brought the energy in this episode. She has such a great spirit, and we got together to talk about anxiety. Bianca is a therapist, and so it was so incredible to really touch on the clinical aspects of the mental health issues that all of us are facing on some degree or another in our modern world and then pairing that with the spiritual solutions which Bianca does so well. We talked about not enoughness, where that feeling comes from that it feels like we always have to be pushing and striving and it's never good enough and we're never good enough. Where does that come from and how can we overcome it? How can we push past it? We talked about what anxiety really is. We talked about so many things. This episode is packed with some great information and tools on just how you can really learn to, as cliche as it is, fill up your own cup because you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't be out here looking for this amazing life, looking for impact, looking for growth, and looking for all of these things when you are not whole on the inside. And so how do we get to be whole on the inside? That's what I hope this episode can help you to discover. Bianca Rodriguez is a soul whisperer, an innovator, and a nationally syndicated columnist on the topic of mental health and wellness. Her expert opinion is highly sought by media outlets such as Bravo TV, The New York Post, Huffington Post, and NBC News. After receiving her master's and master's of education in psychological counseling from Columbia, Bianca had a spiritual awakening and realized despite her struggles with alcoholism, anxiety, and depression, she was complete. For the next decade, Bianca developed her unique brand of psychotherapy, integrating traditional and mystical interventions, becoming a prominent leader and teacher in the recovery field. 
you guys are going to feel this woman's spirit right away. She is so awesome. Coming from somebody who has always been that lone wolf, I am a huge proponent of getting help. We are not meant to do this alone, and especially if you are facing mental health challenges, I could not recommend enough getting professional help. And if you are going to get professional help, I would love, 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 love for it to be somebody who is awake and in touch with their spirituality, who is in touch with their true nature, and Bianca is that. I highly recommend everybody check out Bianca's work. I will have all of her stuff linked in the show notes. Connect with her on social. And we talked about her upcoming course in the show. And I would love, love, love if that speaks to you to make sure to go ahead and get in touch with her right away because it's only open for a few more days. Like I said, this episode is packed, so I'm going to shut up now and enjoy this episode with Bianca Rodriguez. Okay, hi Bianca. Hey Paige. Thank you so much for coming on today really my pleasure I love working with folks in their 20s and in the 20s is when like whoo a lot of my mental health stuff started to amp up and I don't even know if I really had a place to go to really explore spirituality in my 20s so to offer this to you know to folks is like I'm I'm so happy to be a part of it Oh, I love it. That makes me so happy. I would love for you to start off by telling us a bit about your story, how you came to do the work that you do. Sure, sure. All right. So my name is Bianca Rodriguez, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, which is basically what they call a master's level therapist in the state of California. But across the United States, there's all different names, like a licensed clinical counselor. And it's basically you're a psychotherapist and you don't have a doctorate, but I have what's called a master's in the arts and a master's in education. And a master's in education is kind of in between a master's in the arts and a doctorate. And I got both of those degrees at Columbia University in New York. And so I'm a New Yorker and I live in Los Angeles now, which I'm not leaving because this (laughs) is where it's at. And, you know, my story is, I think it's so important for people, you know, especially young people to know that it's like, it's not a ladder, you know, getting Mm -hmm. to wherever it is that you are supposedly thinking you're going to get to in your career. I'm like, it's more like a jungle gym. Oh yeah. So yeah, I was always interested in like journaling and like, how do I become my best self? Like even like 10 years old, I was writing these sorts of things in my journal and, you know, I'm 44, so I'm older a lot older here (laughs) and Oprah Winfrey had a TV show and you know my mom would have that on when I'd come Mm. home from school and like these were things that were catching my attention I also felt very connected to like the land and I would find animal deceased animals in the neighborhood and bring them home and do like a ceremony for them which was very strange but I just felt called to do that. And I felt like I intuitively knew that their spirit would live on forever and that it was important to have some sort of a ritual around their passing. And so these are like kind of the early things that were kind of going on in my life. The other thing that was going on in my life was that I had very severe asthma Mm -hmm. and very severe allergies. And so as a little kid, like three to 
eight years old, I would be hospitalized for like weeks at a time. Yeah. And so a lot of my earliest memories are I'm going to die, which is the definition of trauma. So trauma in the diagnostic and statistical manual, which is what therapists (laughs) use to diagnose people, trauma basically is defined as you know, you've had an experience where either you feel like your well-being or your life is threatened or you witness that in somebody else, right? So mm-hmm. if you, you know, you saw somebody get shot or, you know, something like that. But for me, it was my own direct experience, which is interesting because I didn't even realize that was trauma until after I graduated from graduate school. Wow. So that was like sort of all the things. So, you know, my early trauma, not to mention just my temperament and my family history of having um, anxiety depression, addiction are all sort of run in my family. Those early traumas were like, I believe like a light switch, right? Because I was dealing with a lot of stress, right? And I didn't know how to handle it, especially at that age. And that's why I think we develop mental health stuff is that we're in some sort of dis-ease, whether it's due to a trauma, a family situation, any of those things. And then, you know, you can even talk about generational trauma where, where, you know, these experiences are passed down, but those are sort of the things that can kind of turn the switch on mm-hmm. and can be a lot of the times why people develop, you know, mental health disorders, right? Because you could have a family and it's like one kid has it and the other kid doesn't have it. Well, everybody's kind of got the same genes. So what happened there? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a mix of nature and nurture, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, all right. So that's the very beginning of it all. So anyway, um, I wanted to be a school counselor in high school because I loved my school counselor. She was like one of the few people that would actually listen to me and like really be present with me. And I felt like, wow, I felt so seen. And I was like, I want to do that for other people. So then I studied psychology in undergrad and I thought it was very interesting and I really liked it. And I was kind of torn. I was going to maybe go into research or I was going to maybe become a clinician. And um, I decided to take a year off before I applied to graduate school to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. And during that time, I worked at a psychiatric hospital and I ended up at a group home because I really liked working with the adolescents, probably because I was pretty much an adolescent myself. And let me tell you, Paige, at this group home, (laughs) even though I had a history of trauma, you know, I grew up in a, you know, even though I'm Latina, you know, it was a primarily upper middle class, you know, Caucasian, environment. And I was working with, you know, really underprivileged kids that were in the foster system that had, you know, severe trauma and really, you know, a lot of emotional stuff going on and really had to learn how to survive. So I don't blame anything on them. They were, they, they were survivors. These were 17, eight year old kids that lived in a home with, you know, young people like me trying to take care of them. And I got to tell you, I was not equipped for that job. And I started to develop very severe anxiety. I think what was going on too was we often see panic attacks, which is what I ended up developing. We often see panic attacks develop in people that are kind of in the age bracket that we're speaking to right now, very common in like the 18 to early twenties. And I think part of the reason for that is, is it is a huge transition that is scary. You just went from being a kid where your parents are taking care of you to sort of having this pressure of launching. And I think this added pressure of not being able to really know how to help these kids, my lack of experience, my lack of, you know, my naivety. And also the fact that I was like, Oh my gosh, having a launch into the world, I developed panic attacks. I developed severe anxiety and I could no longer do that job. And my conclusion was I do not have what it takes to be a therapist. I do not have the emotional chops to be a therapist. 
So I went into the fashion industry because where else would I go? (laughs) (laughs) I was not expecting that. (laughs) Yeah, I'd always loved fashion. I grew up in a fashion family. So I worked, you know, in retail stores and I moved to New York because my parents moved back to New York and I worked on Madison Avenue and I worked, uh, my stepdad had a young men's line he was the president of and I almost got fired from that because I'm very bad at math and if you're (laughs) buying I have dyscalculia which is like dyslexia for for um numbers so that wasn't very good and I was partying which is a whole nother part of my story which is funny that I almost got fired but um no I didn't get fired but I did end up working at this boutique on Madison Avenue for six years which is where I believe I had to grow up I had to just grow up as a human being. I had to learn to take care of myself, pay my bills, do all the things. And what I recognized was my favorite thing was my relationship with my clients. And that I had started to build these very close relationships with my regular clients who would now start confiding in me about their personal lives. And I just felt so called to listen, to give them, you know, love, to give them perspective. And I said, you know what? I do want to be a therapist. I do. I wasn't ready. That's what was going on. So at 28 years old, I went back to graduate school. I applied to Columbia. I got in, I did my, did my master's degrees and I loved it. And I knew that I was doing the right thing and that it was just a matter of timing and that I just wasn't really ready. And so I'm so grateful, you know, for, for that experience, because I really went into it with a real certainty and a real commitment um, Mm -hmm. that I don't think I would have had, you know, when I was younger And then I moved back out to LA because I loved LA. And after I graduated, I was like, I'm done with New York. And and that was that. I worked with foster kids for, which is interesting. I went back to kind of the place like I couldn't handle. And I worked with foster kids for eight years. And I became an administrator at a huge mental health organization. It was another journey because I was really seeking the approval of my bosses, which now Mm -hmm. have become like my parents. You know, so I was looking for that. And I got to the top and I got up there and I said, this is it. I'm not really helping people up here in the way that I want to. I'm just sort of like pushing an agenda, you know? So then I went and I worked in treatment because I had, I had then gotten sober. It turned out that I was a freaking alcoholic on top of everything else, which I was like, damn. So I had gone through the process of recovery and I was really passionate about recovery. And so I worked in treatment centers for like maybe about four years and I'd always had a private practice, like ever since I'd gotten licensed, it was very kind of small. Um, but I always had my foot in working with people one-on-one, but then, you know, I built my practice while I was at the treatment center. And then maybe it's three years ago now, I, I, I left and I went on my own and here I am doing full-time psychotherapy, offering courses, coming on podcasts, doing writing and, you know, trying to really spread the word to people that what I realized is that oh my God, even though I had all those struggles, there's nothing wrong with me and there's nothing wrong with you. And there's nothing wrong with anybody that I work with. It is that we forgot, we forgot that we are complete. And it was really through my process of recovery that I really got the spiritual education that I was really, really searching for. Cause I was doing yoga and I was reading texts all throughout this time, you know, but it was really through my process of recovery, which started like, you know, man, eight, nine years ago that I really, I feel like learned kind of how to bring spirituality into my life on a regular basis. And that's just kind of grown. Uh, 
First of all, when the last thing that you were saying, when you said about you know, that we forgot, you're speaking my language and I had chills to my toes. There's so many, there are so many things that I want to touch on because you said so many things. I'm going to do my best to go back. First of all, I really want to honor how you mentioned that as a kid, you know, these kinds of signs. And it's so funny that you said that because today I was actually having an experience of thinking about what I was like as a kid now that I'm kind of stepping into a new role as well. And so you can see the string go all the way back. Oh yeah, when I was a kid, I was like this. And I just wanted to, to emphasize that for people listening that those things are signs. You know, you can look back and say, oh yeah, I did feel really connected to nature as a kid. Oh yeah, I did feel this reverence for life, animals, plants, all of it. Those are just kind of things that I would encourage everybody to look back on. And if you were listening to Bianca when she was saying that, you were like, oh my God, I was doing that too. I was like that as a kid too you're more and more primed to be here listening to this podcast, realizing that there is something more to life. You know, there's something more, you know, that you may have forgotten, but you are enough. Your soul and spirit is enough. And so I just loved how you touched on that point of, of being a kid. Cause I think that so many people, you know, I tell people to tell their story and we start at, the moment of the big, you know, life altering thing or, you know, started your career. And I'm so glad that you brought it back to being a kid because that really is a place for us to turn to, to get to our true nature before we got all the layers of everybody else's bullshit slapped on us. Our true nature was out to play. And so if you, your true nature as a kid was, you know, skipping through the forest that's pretty telling, sweetie, that you are somebody who is meant to be wild, which is what I believe we all are. Yes, yes. I love, I love that. And to, and to look at it too, you know, like it's a circle, right? It's literally like, right? So I started at the beginning, which was childhood, right? And I think that's sort of the process that we're doing. We're actually in the process of becoming and unbecoming at the same time. And I think we sort of end up at that place again, where, you know, when I work with clients for a long period of time, you know, or clients that are really open, it's like, we do end up going back to your childhood. And we do end up going back to those things that lit you up that don't even need to make logical sense, because that was your pure essence, that was your spirit, which was unencumbered by all the other things that happen as you have had your journey throughout life. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It it is totally fully a circle. And, you know, the kind of the point to doing this work to aligning with your spirit again is like you said, to, to bring that inner child back, to bring that pure essence back. So thank you for making that point about the circle. I want people to have that image because it is totally that we started as our pure nature, our pure spirit. We were fun. We were silly. We didn't care what anybody thought. And we were you know, then we went through our lives and got all of this programming slapped on us, was told to do this and not to do that. And like your experience, when we have these experiences, and I fully believe that everything happens for a reason. And I'm so happy that you feel like that time was time that you needed. But I want to talk about that experience of when we do something and it's hard and it produces anxiety and then we draw the conclusion oh I must not be good enough for this oh this must not be my thing 
you know, sometimes it is that we need, we needed time. You had more growing to do. You had a different journey to take at the time, but in general for listeners, I would love to hear your thoughts on that, especially where Bianca's mantra is you are enough. When we have these experiences, I think this has happened to so many people, especially like you said, in your 20s, when you're doing these jobs and you find that things are hard and then we decide, oh, it must not be for me or I must not be good enough for this. Or, you know, when relationships end, I must not be good enough. It must, I'll just scratch that and go elsewhere. I would love to hear your, your take on why we draw that conclusion. Yes. Okay. So you cannot fill from an empty cup. So if your cup is already empty, empty, right? If you sort of have this internal dialogue, that's like, I'm not enough. I'm going to fail. I can't handle things, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of like the lenses through which you're going to interpret the experiences in your life. So a lot of the work that I do with people is identifying what are those beliefs and then challenging them are they true? Right. And some of these beliefs get really stored in your brain in the right hemisphere of your brain, which stores unprocessed memories. And so through some work that I do with people called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, it's a special type of therapy that helps you pull memories and experiences that haven't really been fully processed out of the right part of your brain and sends them to the left part of your brain, which is where more of the adaptive abilities of your brain live. And what I'll often find is that people have had experiences in their childhood where they have come up with core beliefs, like I'm not enough. I can't handle it. I'm not safe. Um, it's not okay to feel my feelings, right. Are really, really stored in there and they might not even be aware of it. Now, a lot of these things we can identify, we can just sort of use a talk therapy approach to change them. But knowing that those beliefs that are baked into you, it's going to be the it's going to be the perception that you're going to have of most things and it's going to be how you interpret a lot of the things that happen to you. So, what I always say is okay, so let's say somebody, you know, just somebody broke up with them or they were dating somebody or whatever. I would tell that person, sit with your feeling, really sit with it in in silence by yourself, maybe do some journaling, right? And try to identify where you're experiencing those feelings in your body, which is very hard for a lot of people. I have to teach a lot of people just to do that. Because most of us live in our brains, but your emotions happen in your body. That's why your heart beats or you're sweating, right? It's actually an occurrence in your body. And just ask yourself, when was the first time I remember feeling like this? And you can usually pretty quickly, because your feelings are like very quick indicators, you can usually pretty quickly recognize or get a memory that's like, oh my God, I was in the fourth grade and I was on the playground and Billy so-and-so told me that I was blah, blah, blah. And then I went home and my parents and that's where it got, and that's where it got set. And then you get to say to yourself like, okay, fourth grade, I don't know, what are you, eight, 10, 11, yeah. however the hell old you are. It's like, are you letting an 11 year old run the show? Come right. on. doesn't mean that she's not feeling those things that needs to be acknowledged, but like, come on, you're 21 now. And she's just a kid. Like, what do you believe that to be true? And then you got to do the work to change that belief. And that takes work because you're changing your, your neurochemistry, right? Mm -hmm. Your brain has neurons that linked to get that link together. Right. And yeah. so it creates like a groove. So it's very easy when something wrong happens. If you always think I'm a piece of garbage for you to go on piece of garbage, I'm a piece of garbage. Now for you to go like, 
I'm not a piece of garbage. Like I'm worthy and you know, whatever things happen sometimes. Your new mantra. It's like, if you're hiking, you could either take a trail that's already made, or you could like make a new trail, which is going to require an ax and like moving a bunch of shit aside and doing all that mm -hmm. type of stuff. So it does take work to do it, but it's definitely worth it because it can shift your entire perception, which shifts your entire experience of life. Yes, exactly. Oh, thank you so much for, for explaining that. If people aren't familiar with that, it's such a great exercise and EMDR don't recommend doing it without a licensed therapist, but that exercise of calling back that core memory and saying, all right, yeah, where does this come from? Why do I have this belief? And for my listeners, what something that I always, always am hammering into their heads is awareness. Where does that process begin? How do we do that work? It's awareness. The very first thing that you have to do is have the awareness to say, because so much, so much of the time we're going so fast through our lives, right? That we're just on autopilot, things are going. And when we're on autopilot, I'm so glad that you explained that neurochemistry because if we're operating on autopilot, those neurons are firing that are the ones that have been created and are still running the loop of you're not good enough, you know, you're wow. ugly, you're stupid, <laughs> whatever it is. And so when we're just going, 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 running on autopilot, all of that is going to continue to reinforce itself, but we can use the exercise of awareness and the practice of awareness in every moment of our everyday, really welcoming in that sense of presence to be like, all right, what's going on in here? My mind is probably having a full on conversation. And what's it saying? Can I listen to it? Can I see if I agree with this? Do I want to keep listening to this tape or do I want to change the channel? Do I want to keep walking on this road that? is the road that's been paved. So it's probably easier to do, or do I want to pave a new road that's going to bring me to my highest self, the best self. And so, yeah, I think that that this whole conversation brings us to the subject, which I told you, I'm so excited to pick your brain on, which is anxiety. I think that so many people, you know, on across the spectrum of people who are medicated for anxiety and then people who just, you know, would consider themselves to have an anxious disposition. There's a broad spectrum there. But I think that, first of all, talking about it, I'd love for you to just tell us what what it is and what causes anxiety and and just your experience with it. Yes. All right. So you make a great point. So first of all, all of our emotions we experience in a spectrum, right? level of intensity. So being a human being, you're going to experience anxiety and you're going to experience stress. We're actually made for stress, right? Back, even back in the day, right? Like cavemen and cave women, there was stress. There was the elements we had to eat this, that, and the other. So know that stress is not a bad thing. And there's actually research that shows that certain amounts of stress, low levels of stress are actually, you know, what motivates us to learn, to take action, to do things. So, you know, not all stress is bad, right? It's our response to stress that we really want to look at, look at, and people have different responses to stress, right? So anxiety can be defined as worry about the future. So I always tell clients, anxiety is you're worried about the future. Depression is you're worried about the past. You got one foot in the future and one foot in the past. You're pissing on the present, which is what you were talking about. The present is where the healing happens, where serenity happens. Serenity can't happen in the future and serenity ain't going to happen in the past. Okay. Mm -hmm. So anxiety is a tendency, right? 
to worry about the future. And it could be anything, your health, your relationship, your finances, your anything, what's going to happen. So it means that you're playing the tape forward, playing the tape forward, trying to assess what's going to happen. And it has a lot to do with control, right? So trying to control what is going to happen, what's going to happen. Now there's different types of anxiety. Okay. So there's generalized anxiety disorder, which looks like worry about all sorts of things. Cause it's general, it's generalized anxiety. So it's like somebody who's just sort of in a state of worry the majority of time about all sorts of things. There's social anxiety. Social anxiety is when somebody is anxious about other people's judgments of them. So that's where they really get stuck. Like, I don't know, I went to this party and I didn't have the right outfit and I don't even want, they might not even want to go out. A lot of my clients with social anxiety are loving pandemic because they're like no pressure to go out because whenever they're in public, they're worried that they're going to be, be being judged negatively some type of way. Right. Then we have, you know, anxiety that's, that's related to trauma. So things, you know, like post-traumatic stress disorder is an anxiety disorder, which is, you know, a very severe form of anxiety that also has a lot of other traits, character, you know, traits as part of it. Now, most people that have experienced trauma have some type of anxiety, but not everybody who experiences trauma has post-traumatic stress disorder. That's a different thing. Right. And let's see, there's also anxiety disorder, anxiety disorder, not otherwise specified. We find anxiety in correlation with folks that have eating disorders. I have not been an addict or an alcoholic that doesn't have some depression, anxiety kind of trifecta going on. Right. So yeah, anxiety can look like different things to different people. And it can also look differently. Well, what can be a defining factor is what is the person anxious about? Right. Yeah. So my belief about our core fears, which really, I really believe that all of our troubles can be traced back to one of two things. And it's fear of not being loved and fear of, is it dying? All right. I just forgot my own principle, but basically I want to talk about the fear of not being loved because that I think, especially with anxiety, the fear of acceptance, and I've explained this before, but when we talk about acceptance and approval and being in the tribe, the reason that's so important is because in our history as a human, as we've evolved through time, we needed the tribe in order to survive. And at a young age, you need typically your parents, your caregivers, the tribe to take care of you in order to survive. And so that fear of rejection from other people has been linked in our human history to death. Because if we weren't accepted in the tribe, if we weren't accepted by our parents, if they abandon us, we would die because as a a baby, you can't support yourself. And so I just think that that's a really important point to make because I think that at least in my experience, I would get down on myself or I think I would just be so bewildered at how I could possibly be this bent out of shape about fearing rejection or about that, you know, those kinds of social anxieties that everybody has to some degree, I think. Like we want people to accept us. We want people to like us. Why do we want that so badly? And for those of us that have had those 
more intense experiences of anxiety, depression, especially relating to rejection and acceptance with other people, I just think it's important to bring it back to that that space of it is, you know, kind of validate that and honor that, that there's a reason why we see this as something that's so triggering and it produces that stress response. And so then we can come to this point of, is this a life or death situation? No, it's not. You know, so these are stress responses are all over the board because, you know, like a car just went by, like my phone's going off and all of these things are pulling at our attention all day, producing these stress responses and our bodies haven't evolved to keep up with our pace of life, to keep up with all of these stimuli that we have, you know, you turn on the news and it's just constantly horrendous news that's triggering stress responses. And so... I guess I just always like to center back into our nature and to acknowledge why there's a reason. There's a reason that we're having these experiences where so many of us are experiencing anxiety, are experiencing stress at high levels. And it's because we're so out of alignment with our true nature and we've moved so far away from those kinds of practices of the way that humans evolve to live. What do you think? (laughs) <laughs> a lot in there and I'm going to try to break it down. Okay. Being a human being is anxiety provoking because on the one hand, we have exactly what you said. We have a drive and a need to be connected to other people, right? But when you are connected to a real way, not that persona, right? That real vulnerable connection, then you are at risk getting hurt and getting rejected. And this is what we're all navigating all of the time. So what we're doing is we are born into a family, right? And like you said, your survival requires you to have a family or a caregiver, somebody that takes care of you because, right, you're a baby. And if you look, if you left a baby to do its own thing, the baby would die, right? So it's, it's fundamental, right? It, it's, it's like wired into us, right? And then as you get older, right, you start to become sort of your own person, right? And you get the messages of, am I acceptable? Am I not acceptable as I am? Do I matter, right? Do I matter? That's all we all want to know is you matter, right? I say that at the end of all my lives on Instagram, my tease with B, I tell people you matter, right? Because that's really all we want to, we want to know, right? Because if you are alone in the world with nobody reflecting back to you that you exist or that you matter, right? It's why people go bananas in solitary confinement and why that's also used as a torture mechanism, right? Because we need that reflection from the other for us to really have a sense of our own self, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have this need and most of the time, right? Our families are not perfect and everybody's different has different ways of wanting to be loved and God bless parents who are, you know, really trying to do their best job. But usually somewhere along the way, we get some kind of messages that, you know what, you're not okay as you are. I'm going to need you to be a little more like that or like, right? When a parent doesn't attune to you emotionally, right? Attuning basically means that when, when I'm sad, right? My parent acknowledges, oh, you're sad 
right? And of course, you don't have to get it right every time, right? But they need to get it right the majority of the time so that we can start to build this internal sense of self. I call it a secure base. If you didn't get that growing up, then you're going to have to do it as an adult and you're going to work it out through all of these different wacky relationships that you're going to have in your life, right? Oh, yeah. So think about that. You have this core need to be connected and to be seen and accepted for who you are. And then most people get some sort of messages that are like, that's not totally safe all the time. So then you're like, well, that's where we start. Like, I need this thing. But then it's also like, um, it really hurts when my parent doesn't attune to me or when they say I should be more like my older sister, whereas like, I think what I have going on is really, really cool. And that's where we start to get this they're called defense systems, right? Like Freud talked about your defense patterns. And that's where you start to be like, oh, I became the class clown. So I was really funny. Like, you know what? I realized I don't really need people. That's my favorite is people who are like, I hate people and I don't need people. I'm like, oh, somebody hurt you so bad. So bad because you do need people if you're human and it appears as though you're human. So that's what that. So yeah, so we're constantly navigating all of those things. And yes, most anxiety disorders you can root back to those early childhood experiences and the worries. I mean, social anxiety is a great one. People are going to judge me poorly. I'm going to be an outcast, right? Right. Like, yeah, that's, that's the worst. Your own people are rejecting you, you know, your family, your friends, your community, your religious group, whoever it is. Yeah. And so that's, you know, what's interesting that what spirituality shows us in most transcendental experiences of whatever meditation, I teach holotropic breath work, people are doing LSD, whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. What is the core thing that most people say? I realize that we're all one. Yeah. I realize that we're all one, right? So that's really, I believe all mental health stuff is a departure from that knowing that knowing that we so easily forget because we're spiritual beings having a human experience and your human brain right it keeps trying to tell you that you're not all one right but your soul your spirit whatever it is that essence of us right intuitively knows it so that's part of that thing that's happening too a lot of the time where being human means living in the tension of both Yes. Yes. I just had chills again to my toes. And so I'm so glad because I already know that we align perfectly on what I'm about to say. The antidote then it's like, you know, people are out here and they're like, I don't, you know, well, nobody has the answer to these. Fuck that. I actually do have the answer. I do have the answer. And it is when you return to your true nature, when you return to our true self, to that soul and spirit, you remember that you are whole, you are perfect, you are more than enough, just as you are. And exactly what you said, you and I are deeply connected and you and I are both connected to my favorite pine tree outside my window and we're connected to the trees behind you. And so we're all one. And that is the antidote because the things, think about the things that are driving us bananas all day and creating all of this disease in our bodies is that we're afraid of rejection. We're trying to balance it. They're not going to like us. We're not going to be good enough. This is going to be this. This is going to be that. We're in the future. We're in the past. And when you can just ah, relax into that soul and spirit and remember that you can just be here now because here in the now, 
is the flow where we're just all floating downstream and we're all connected and you are whole and you might have that little voice chirping in your ear, but you don't have to listen to it. You might have circumstances happen that are out of your control that are challenging or difficult, but you know that as long as you're floating downstream, if you can release that, you know, clinging with the jaws of life to all either your past, your future, how you wanted something to be or how something went badly when we can just release all that. Basically, what I'm saying is the antidote to anxiety, stress, all of these things that we're talking about is that presence and the realization and remembrance of what our true nature and spirit is. Mm-hmm. I always tell clients, you can always cope in the now. You can't cope in the past. You can't cope in the future. But like in the now, like it's like, okay, I'm sitting in my house. I'm sitting on my couch. Like nothing's really happening. I got food in the refrigerator, right? You can always cope in the present. Now, one of the things that you said, so what you're saying is, yes, I believe absolute, absolute truth. Now, there's going to be some people listening to this that's like, okay, I, I understand that, but it's really hard for me to do that. It's so hard, right? And so that's what you're saying. So if you have you know, an anxiety disorder and experienced trauma and, you know, whatever it is, you might, that might be really, really hard for you. Really, really hard for you, which is what I say, you know, get professional help because you have to unwire and unwrap a lot of those things. Right. And so, you know, Paige has her experience and she appears like, right, very emotionally stable and all the things, right. So for her, she's got it, right? She's already in this space, but you might not be in this space yet. And that's okay too. I was not in this space at your age at all. I was having a nervous breakdown at your space, right? So knowing that, huh, I know that space is true and I would like that space, even if I believe it's a little lofty, but like something in your heart as we're talking is resonating with you. That's where you get to go, wow, it's so, so hard for me. What's going on with me? What can I get help with in doing these things, right? And know that these things often appear as just a flicker of a second where you have a second of like peace or like of what might be. And that's how it starts. It doesn't go from, oh yeah, I was struggling with massive anxiety. And then I listened to a podcast and then I realized I could just choose. I could choose not to be anxious anymore. It's like, yeah, fuck no. I would be out of business. And so would the entire self-help industry and psychology industry, right? We're talking about programming in your brain. We're talking about chemistry, you know, neuro, you know, chemistry in your brain. We're talking about things that are deep in the subconscious because your brain was trying to protect you. Right. So, so know that if, if this is speaking to you and it's really hard for you, like get a trained professional and really invest in doing the work so that you can get to this place where you can really sit and be with yourself. And it took me 20 years to, you know, to really do that now. And I'm a different person. You know, I'm a different, I had to work through all the trauma. I did EMDR as a client. I went to the 12 step support groups. I went to regular talk therapy. I do Kundalini yoga. I mean, I've done, I've been on medication. I worked with a functional medicine doctor. I mean, there's lots and lots of levels of healing, but so just know that it is a process, but this can be the space that you continue to remind yourself of. Even if you don't feel it in your body, you can at least remember that like, I am whole and there is something inside of me that's connected to all things that's divine, that's infinite, 
that's healthy. And I'm just going to keep trying to connect with that, even when all this other stuff is going on and it feels so, so hard. Yes, exactly. Thank you for saying that. It's so important. And yeah, for me, it, I definitely, you know, I'm here because I was so bad before. I was in s- such the opposite place before. And like I said, my full-time, I actually don't know if I've ever said this on the show, which is weird because I feel like I say it a lot, but for a couple of years, my full-time job, I would say I was working, but I would say that my full-time job was healing and finding my soul and reconnecting to that after I had lost it so much. And I do have a therapist. I've, I have seen a therapist and done so much work. And like you said, it's, it's not a job to do alone and it's not. And also what happens when we do it alone is we get into that space of, I'm so glad that you spoke to that of somebody listening who might be like, well, what the heck? Like I, this is resonating, but like, I try to do that and it's hard that's because you're not supposed to do it alone. (laughs) And, you know, we have, there are so many places and so many people and so many things that can support you in this. And it's all about finding, you know, what you're going to need on your journey. And so speaking of that, I would love for you to tell us about your course that you have coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. So I have a new course and it starts on October 15th. So anybody that's listening if you're interested, like literally shoot me an email, like right now, like in this moment, yeah. unless you're driving, shoot me an email because it's going to be, it's going to be full. And I'm only, I'm only inviting 10 people because it's really going to be an interactive conversation, discussion activities where I want to really know everybody in the group. And I really want you to feel like you can really know me and ask me questions and it's customized. And so the course is called foundations of well-being. And what it is, is it's all the tenants that I teach all of my individual clients about how do you navigate transformation? What does self-love mean? What does self-esteem mean? Um, how do you get in touch with your intuition? How do you use breathing techniques? We talked about emotions, right? I'm going to talk about some cognitive behavioral therapy stuff and these exact things that you're talking about here, when the intensity of an emotion is so high that you can't really even be present. That's true. That's true. What do you do in that case? What do you do in that case when you can't, when you can't do the tools, right? And really helping people learn to navigate this human spiritual experience using all of the things that I learned and know as a clinical psychologist for 15 years, for 15 years, and then also as a spiritual seeker. So I'm very excited. We're going to meet live on Thursdays for an hour and 15 minutes. And what I love is that the last Thursday we're going to meet is the Thursday before Thanksgiving. So I'm like, I know 2020 has been a shit show, but it's not over yet. It's not taking us down. And let's set you up before we roll into the holidays. Yes. Oh, I love it. I love that it ends in um, November too, because I have have that same uh, philosophy about people are like, all right, it's December 31st. It's time to talk about 2021. It's like, "Mm, I think we should back that up. I will definitely, first of all, I encourage everybody to check out Bianca's page. We're going to have all of that linked in the show notes, but just in general, yeah, you're thinking about your next year. You want to start thinking about the person that you want to become for the rest of your life don't wait until the day before to do that. This is not like your, you know, psychology essay. Do not wait for that before to do that. Not going to the fact that this year has granted us such an opportunity to pause because there's not a level of distractions. And that's kind of what inspired this course is that 
a lot of people are reaching out to work with me and I can only work with so many people one-on-one. So this is like, if you are curious about working with one-on-one, if you take this course, literally you'll be like, we'll be on the same page yeah. for, um, for doing the one-on-one work. Cause this is like the language I speak. This is what I, the foundations I teach all of my clients. So it's hopefully a way to get more people, um, the support that they need. Cause so many people are looking right now because you know, the quiet in our day-to-day lives from not running around as much, it's bringing this stuff to the surface. And I think it's honestly what we need to do to change the world. I, I could not agree more. And I'm laughing because I was just about to say that I was just about to say, and thank God, because this is the work that's going to change the world. I gave you my word. That was what was just about to come out of my mouth. Oh man. I'm so happy. Yeah. Right. It's not surprising. Yes. Yes. I love it. Yeah. The last thing that I want to say is that I'm just so happy that you exist because I think that it's just so important that we be bringing these ancient wisdoms back into our everyday life. And I am somebody who am just critical. I'm grateful and appreciative, but also critical of how we've taken Western medicine. And so I think that it's so important to have people like you who are in the space of I'm a clinician, I'm a doctor, whatever it may be, marrying our, what is true about our nature, these things, these ancient wisdoms, you know, Ayurveda, these things that have been true for literally all of eternity, but we just in the past few hundred years have been like, eh, screw that stuff where we don't need it. I don't know who decided that, but to heal the world, literally, I actually seriously agree and believe that bringing this stuff back, it's the marriage between the two, you know, like I have taken medications for mental health and I do currently for ADHD. And I think that it's not something that, you know, we should completely throw out the window. That would be like a baby with the bathwater thing. However, it is so important. And I really want to encourage anybody who is seeking a mental health therapist, a clinician to turn to Bianca or someone like Bianca who has this ability to marry the the truth of our spirit and soul who has that kind of grounded background because I just think that without that you're missing a huge part of your life you know mind body spirit you're missing a big part if you're missing the spirit so thank you for the work that you do. Oh, thank you so much. It's such an honor. And I do truly love what I do. And I just am one of those people. I just feel so called to this work. And I, I mean, I'm really so grateful I get to do, you know, what I do. So thanks for ha- letting me share. Thanks yes. for letting me share, Paige. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Spiritual 20s. My name is Paige and I am so grateful to play even the smallest role in your journey to living a more authentic, more aligned, more wild and free life. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and I'll see you next time.